0: Tales and Tunes podcast. This week's guest is Eric Sterrett, a longtime friend and my first guest born and raised in the Iowa scene. But before we get into this mini Iowa history lesson, let's kick things off with Btsunami's number one track pick of the week. This week's pick is a brand new track produced by Eric Sterrett himself. This track is entitled Inner Quibbles and is available for free on his SoundCloud page. guys as I'm excited to have my first guest from Iowa on the show although like myself he's made the wise decision to move to Colorado (laughs) he's been DJing producing and throwing shows for over 15 years he's hands down one of the biggest influences and inspirations to me growing up in the Iowa scene he's my dear friend and kind of my mentor musically Uh, meet Eric Sterrick guys Eric thanks for being on the show buddy sure no problem how have you been lately?
1: Uh, really, really good. Probably the best I've been in my life ever. Oh, really? What, what, what entails that? Uh, I don't know. Just kind of things are seem to be falling into place with me. Like, uh, just starting to be like less uh, anxious about things and just you know making music and I don't know, just kind of doing what I want to do. So it's good. Heck yeah,
0: Eric's actually uh, my snowboarding buddy. We we're, we're about uh the same equivalency and skill, and uh, we have the same pass this year. We have the Rocky Mountain Super Pass plus which gets us unlimited uh winter park copper uh Eldora which we went to this last weekend for the first time yep. and uh 6 days at Steamboat and 3 at Crested Butte so which we have to get to sometime soon. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we got to get a hotel up there and Yeah, we yeah, got to do that for sure. It'd be so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're about the same skill and we uh we're getting Less and or more and more ballsy about hitting the terrain parks and grind rails and stuff, so we we push each other not only on the mountain but on the dance floor as well so Definitely. <laughs> so how's uh the new year's been treating you man?
1: uh good. I actually didn't do anything for New Year's. I sat on my couch at home and uh didn't didn't really do anything at all, just kind of waited till it happened and then went to bed. Mm-hmm. but that's kind of like started things out for what my plan was for this year, which is just pretty much writing music every single day as much as I can. I mean, I still have to work all the time, you know, full-time job, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to actually like give music a real chance for once in my life since I've always mm-hmm. been so passionate about it. Yeah. No, it, you definitely should. Cause you definitely have the talent. Yes. I mean,
0: you've already put out two tracks this year, right? That's right.
1: Yeah. Like uh, that was, you know, when I did write as the new year happened, I started working on a, a new track and I got that one done and, Little under two weeks, and then the next one only ten days later, and I've already started on another one, and it's not February yet, so it's pretty good pace for me. Hell yeah, man! And uh, yeah, we listened to one uh, the track we played one of the ones you just released at the beginning of this year. Yeah, I really like that one of mine. I think it's one of my better ones.
0: Mhm. Yeah, did you see a few days ago that the Detroit to 2015 lineup phase one came out? I didn't, but yeah, well, let me bring it up here. Let's see who we got playing this year audio fly is going to be a big one that's the first time they've been there uh ben ufo cats and dogs oh, i'll be pumped to see the Dubfire fire uh back to back with hot since 82 yeah that would be good uh matthew deer really like him nicole moldaber i didn't see her when she was in <laughs> denver that'll be cool Really old school oh. Stacy Pullen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> always on the Made in Detroit stage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Richie Houghton like, every fucking year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Recondite. I've, I've been into the, a few of their tracks recently. Just discovered them. They'd be cool. Loco Dice, Luciano, Matador again. He's awesome. Yeah, it looks... Oh, and uh, one, number one, one of my favorites is uh, Joris Vaughn. He
1: always kills it every time I've seen him play yeah and, uh Matthew Deere is actually probably one of my first records I think I ever bought as a Matthew Deere record oh really <laughs> yeah, cool man,
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, well' excited to see what else comes up. I mean, it's always good every fucking year, no matter who's playing uh what's what's interesting about this year too though is uh and it's already been uh causing problems for people as far as planning and stuff is apparently there's a volleyball tournament going on. Uh, in downtown Detroit, the same weekend. So, a lot of the hotels are already booked with high school girls <laughs> and their families. So, oh, some people are going to get in trouble. Yeah, there's going to be fucking <laughs> girls girls getting ready to go to their volleyball tournament at like six in the morning. Oh, yeah. I'm sure some of them are like not going to show dudes up. Dudes are just going to get up in back. Like, hotel
1: rooms and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: like, what are you guys doing? Or somebody's oh. going like, to talk
1: to them and like, get them to come in the room.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> I already feel bad enough for when there's just like, one or two random people that just decided to stay in detroit that weekend but an entire fucking
1: city of volleyball oh yeah <laughs> well, they should have town. like warnings on the hotel doors for people like letting them know what's going on because <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous
0: yeah i, I can't believe it. whoever did whoever <laughs> scheduled that is fucking in trouble that's for sure <laughs> well yeah man uh the first i was, was trying to think back uh the first time i remember ever seeing you or can't really pinpoint when we actually met but well, right. I, it definitely stands out i remember the first time i ever saw you or got to know who you were was uh uh eric sterrett who played the most incredible uh morning psytrance sets back in iowa when the uh scene was dominated by uh psytrance at yep. the time right when i got into partying uh yeah, you had that long ponytail back then, too. Yeah. I remember it was pretty, it was pretty long, and I, I, I just, which is funny, too, because <laughs> I actually, I mean, I kind of had the same going thing going for a few years back then. I had that, yeah, you know, yeah, down you to really my like ass hair, guys, like, yeah, 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 <laughs> the long haired, froggy girls seem to like it, though. They did, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, so yeah, that was right around when I started going to parties. My first party was actually on uh, New Year's 2006, uh, and it was thrown by uh, Coleman, a.k.a. The Goat, uh, at Emerald City in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which was the just perfect warehouse for parties in Iowa back in the day. And that was the first party I went to. And right at that time, uh, that is when Psytrance started to just dominate the Iowa scene yeah, I so that. I mean me being there that's that's what I came up with it was kind of a interesting time to get into the scene what what was the scene like when and how did that happen did side just well I become mean become a
1: thing in Iowa there was like maybe like a couple people that like were they listened to it and they were kind of into it a bit uh, I want to say I remember like I remember like one of the first side tracks I wrote was probably like in 2005 I think it's actually still online. You can listen to it. It's called, like, Electron Planets. Mm. Um, It's, like, on a SoundClick page or something. It actually made uh, it to number 11 on the SoundClick charts, which is, like, out of, like, thousands and thousands of people. Oh, crazy. Uh, So it actually was, like, extremely popular, and it's still on, like, some people's, like, radio pages and stuff. But beside the point, I think it was, like, 2004, 2005, um, there was, like, only, like, two people I knew that listened to it. I think, uh, Jeff Zelnio, if you remember him at all. Oh, Jeff Z, yep. Yep, and, um, you know, I think, uh, and the two people that kind of, like, really kind of ran with it, uh, like, Chris and Nick, they were, like, listening to it, you know. Well, Chris Stark and Nick Nichols. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> they, uh, well, pretty much what happened is just kind of, I was playing, like, more just, you know, your classic trance type stuff, and that's kind of where I started with it, but I was just getting bored with it, and I kind of was, uh, wanting to search out some different styles, you know, something that was just something to like, I just, I was just getting bored, you know? So I lived in California before that for a little while. Uh, but I'd heard it like once. Um, so I thought I'd start digging into it and I started hearing all this kind of like, you know, melodic morning side trance stuff, uh, that I liked a lot and it actually kind of got me going. So at one point I just kind of had, Collected a lot of, like, really good tracks that I liked that were, like, melodic stuff. And I was already playing a lot of parties at the time. So um, the sound guy, Matt Bergstrom, uh, MB Sound, he had, uh, like, these kind of rack-mount CD decks. And it was, like, oh, really man. shitty, like, rack-mount ones with, like, the slide-out trays. Oh, yeah. And I was playing all vinyl at the time, but, like, none of the side trance came on vinyl. And nobody at the time even played CDs either. You know, it was kind of like a, just a Just a before no-no. it, yeah. You know, like, nobody, like, was like, oh, that's not real DJing, you know, if you're playing mm-hmm. on CDs. And so I just like got booked for a show like usual, and I think it might have been um, etc. in Iowa City that I played the first like kind of side trance set down in the ped mall. And um, the uh, I, I just basically like decided to just use Matt's CD decks on this like rack mount piece of crap thing, and i like like you're playing no pitch with the controls, tics, tics oh, had pitch controls like, but yeah, <laughs> it had like the little two dials in the front, like, and like it wasn't like any kind of like platter you could pitch bend so I had to like do everything by like pitch buttons and like the pitch controls Oh yeah. but like I just like without telling anyone just like played this side trance set you know and like uh, like I think I think Chris and Nick were there and they're just like oh this is fucking awesome you know <laughs> and like just got all like into it and they're like man if anyone was gonna start playing side trance I knew it was gonna be you <laughs> and, yeah I guess you know it's kind of just so I just kind of did it you know and like some people were, like, well, it was, like, a combination of, like, me playing Psytrance and also playing CDs at the same time that, like, I think, like, uh, Rissy had booked me for the show and they were a little bit like, what? You're playing CDs and you're playing this, like, Zytran stuff. What, what's up? What, what's going on with you, you know? <laughs> <And> like, <clears throat> so they actually didn't, like, book me for a little while after that. <laughs> like I kind of, like, like burned a little tiny bridge, you know? Nothing permanent, but... Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, Not a friendship or anything. No, but no. Just, uh, They're just like, oh, we don't want that, you know? The frequency of playing for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that was just kind of, you know, hot started. And I guess, like, you know... I started playing it occasionally, you know, here and there. And then, like, other people. I think, like, there was, you know, like, the whole Chaluminati thing. They were kind of already doing it, too, like, outside okay. of Iowa. And, uh, like, I think it just kind of made some connections between everyone throughout the Midwest. And other people started playing it, you know. And it just kind of went from there. People just started, like, getting into it, you know. And it mm-hmm. uh, just kind of built up. And people did some parties. And eventually we had, like, all these side trance DJs and, like, huge side parties going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was it was it was so crazy, man. Yeah. I,
0: I I do want to get into this uh, a little more deeply, but before that, let's let's rewind back to the beginning and then the, I mean just kind of pave the
1: road to what led up to all this. Sure. Um,
0: where were you born and raised then?
1: You were um, actually, born in Iowa. Yeah, I was born in Cedar Falls, Iowa. It's like northeast Iowa. It's connected to Waterloo. Um, Waterloo like, you and I is. Yeah, that's where you and I is the the Panthers. Um, but yeah, I mean it's like a college town. Uh, I was born there and kind of bounced back and forth between Waterloo and Cedar Falls. They're really, like, the same town. It's just, like, Waterloo's the bigger town, and Cedar Falls is, like, the nicer town. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spent most of my time in actual Waterloo. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of, you know, where I was born and grew up. Okay. So how long how long did you live
0: there, or when was the first time you – or did you go to high school there and everything, too? Then? Uh, Yeah. Yep, I did went- you go to high school at Brook? Uh, yeah, I went, I went to high school at Brooklyn. Oh shit, that's yeah. right.
1: That's totally right. <laughs> yeah, we were totally like buddies like all through high school and stuff. Like we hung out and everything like. <laughs> that's why we, you know, know each other. and have known each other for so long.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um Uh so what kind of things were you into growing up? Like hobbies or your interests?
1: Uh I mean like a lot of things. Like uh I really I I was really like all about skateboarding. Like I got my first skateboard when I was 4 years old. And uh, it had, like, a handlebar on it, you know? Like, it was, like, attached to the front yeah. of the skateboard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you like, pulled these little handlebars. So it was more like a scooter. But eventually, like, I just pulled the handle off and I started, like, just riding it normal, mm-hmm. you know? But, yeah, I mean, growing up, like, skateboarding was, like, pretty much all the time, you know? I just did it, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of sports, not much, but mostly skateboarding. Just a lot of activity. Okay.
0: And Well, what, t- what type of, uh, like, music were you
1: into? Uh, <clears throat> Younger, I mean, like really young, like, obviously just whatever, like, my mom was playing, which, you know, was, like, all this, like, love ballad rock and roll stuff, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. REO Speed Wagon, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, like, you know, when I chose my own music, it ended up being kind of, like, uh, punk rock stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like, I was really into that, and, like, my sisters were kind of into some hip-hop, so it was a little bit of, like, really old school hip-hop, too.
0: Okay. Well, what year would this be, then, or? Um,
1: like, this kind of music? Thing. I mean, the year, I guess, like, when were were you this age like 4 i guess how old are you now oh well, i'm going to be uh 35 in just uh like a few days actually okay fuck yeah <laughs> happy early birthday yeah <laughs> so so this would have been like the the 80s then yeah yep i was born in the 80s, so you know i grew up in the 80s with all that okay. awesome some 80s synth music uh yeah totally <laughs> Yeah, so
0: d- when did you start uh, becoming interested in music or playing instruments? Did you play music in uh, school? or
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, my my mom actually uh, played accordion, like, and she's, like, really good at it. <laughs> I know it's, like, an accordion, <laughs> so, you know, like, <laughs> she's really, really good at it. Like, you know, she always had this, like, nice accordion that had, like, a diamond in one of the keys, you know, like, she was all about it, and, like, she also played organ and stuff, and uh, <clears throat> didn't really have much other music in my family, but I think when I was in, like, fifth, fifth grade, probably, maybe even before that, it's, like. It was still elementary school, so I think it was like fourth or fifth grade. I just decided like I wanted to be in band and like play an instrument. I just I just always really liked music, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of like really like I just like how it like made me feel different ways, you know. And I just wanted to play it. So yeah, I got in the band like probably about like fifth grade, just like playing in regular band at school. You know? What instrument? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I wanted to play trumpet from the very beginning. Uh, but my family was pretty poor, you know, like I couldn't really like, they couldn't buy me an instrument, you know? So, um, I had to just kind of take like whatever the school would give me. So they started me out on baritone, uh, (laughs) you know, which is basically like the little bit smaller than tuba. Yeah. Mini tuba. Yeah. Uh, but you know, after I did really well at that, like eventually like they pretty much just like kind of let me do trumpet and they were like, this will be a good learning thing for trumpet, you know? So Mm -hmm.
0: right on. And then did you learn, uh keyboards on the way or you know I never
1: really learned any kind of like keyboard stuff um I know I have like a million keyboards in here yeah <laughs> <clears throat> but like when I was younger I didn't really like learn piano or keyboard or anything like that like um it was just something I kind of like picked up because yeah. I actually I didn't even do it until I got into electronic music because mm-hmm. I like synth sounds and yeah, stuff, yeah you know so
0: did you find value in learning to read music um yeah I mean like are you able to I Does guess your knowledge still,
1: st- today stem from that or do you uh a little bit. I mean not not really actually. I mean like I I think it was helpful, like just more like for my ears mm-hmm. like to do music. Like and yeah, I can like look at sheet music and, and read it, you know. I mean, I'm not quick at it. Like I have to like be like, okay, I know where C is so I can count yeah, and I know yeah. what this note is. You know, and I don't really like read music right now or do it anymore, but I think it was more just the ear thing, you know, for me, like being able to just like get used to, like, how to do melodies and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and just get an ear for it. So when did you discover electronic music? Man, okay, so it would have been probably, like, when I was, like, 15 or 16 years old, and, I mean, it was pretty hard to do in, you know, Cedar Falls, Iowa, like... in Yeah, with no internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, we didn't even have the internet in our yeah. town then. Zero, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, like, we had a BBS system. Do you know what that is? No. It's, like, a bulletin board system, so what it is is, like, you build a website on your home computer... Um, which is basically like a, you know, the page is called a BBS, the board system. And then like other people in the city have them as well. And you give out your phone number to people and they could call your house from their computer and like log onto your website. Then, like, <laughs> <laughs> so like we had our own little like friends with, like, BBS websites. Oh, my that. God. It sounds like some out of South Park. That's <laughs> fucking funny. So we did not have the internet, you know, like, so. But um, I guess, so what got me, like, the first time I heard it really, um, I mean, I probably heard it in passing or something, but, you know, I was hanging out with um, uh, Corey Simpson and uh, uh, Tracy Neiman, too, at the time. Uh Not the first time Corey's been mentioned on this podcast. Uh, right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he has parts to play in the beginning of a lot of people. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um uh yeah, like, you know, I think it was like you know, I knew Corey at the time and he was he was he was kinda of DJing. He was one of the first DJs in Iowa, so And this is year your... uh I would have been like ninety five, ninety six. Okay. And uh <clears throat> so, you know, I hung out I ended up meeting Tracy through kind of like Corey, I think, and Tracy and I kinda of got along, we hung out. Did you ever, I don't know if you ever met his name. He was kind They're of like, like in and out like pretty early on in the scene. Um, but, you know, he DJed as well. Uh, but just hanging out with him, you know, he listened to a lot of like acid techno stuff. And just, actually, no, he was more into like hardcore like Tron and like Delta 9. Oh, man. <laughs> but we'd stuff. like drive down gravel roads in the middle of Iowa, <laughs> like I mean, just like flying down these gravel roads, just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like listening <laughs> to <laughs> Tron <laughs> and like, Delta <laughs> 9. like. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm pretty sure it was, like, you know, feeding us all kinds of drugs and stuff, yeah. you know, like, they're all just tripping, driving through cornfields, like, just pounding like Tron. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but really, I guess it was just those guys, you know, like, hanging out with them, like, you know, they just, that was the music they were doing, and they just, you know, like, were playing it, and I just, I kind of dug it a little bit, and, like, like mm-hmm. those guys, so, you know, just, that was my introduction to it, really.
0: Right on. W- would this have been the same time, or did we skip over it, they, when...
1: You used to break into places and steal shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, well, it would have been right before that. Like, um, I was, like, really into, like, punk rock. Not saying, like, that punk rock makes you a bad person or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, um, yeah, just kind of, like, you know, growing up in a super, like, poor family. like, um, And in...
0: And, Cedar Falls. Well, I mean,
1: at the time, like I was born in Cedar Falls, but I actually like grew up kind of in Waterloo. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I mean,
0: well, Waterloo's even more. Right, like the East ghetto. Side of Waterloo. Like, of and, and if you it... don't know, for the people who aren't from Iowa, Waterloo is the ghettoest ghetto of Iowa. Yeah, people like, call it like it... Little Chicago. Yeah, yeah. They've <laughs> actually they actually like ship people from Chicago, Chicago there and yeah. then just dump them there. Like people in the ghetto in Chicago, get they give them, them like a mu- yeah. they give them an incentive. They're like, here, we'll give you this check for X amount of dollars if you hop on this bus and go to Waterloo. right yeah I mean, it's like <laughs> a bunch of abandoned old
1: factories that used to like run the town you know and like so yeah it's 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 basically like especially the east side is like just like one big ghetto you know like, yeah i can't count how many times like people like tried to like jump me and rob me like while i was growing up over there oh like, man <laughs> you know so yeah i just like kind of grew up in waterloo um most of most of the time so you know uh being in I, like there's a, there's a little these kids in my neighborhood that kind of like It was like everyone kind of was in gangs, you know, like, and it wasn't like I really wanted to be in a gang or anything, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but I had some acquaintances that I knew that were kind of like, had a little like gang, you know, (laughs) and it was nothing. It was just like little kids saying they were in a gang, you know, but I didn't know any way to like get things I wanted, you know, like, I think like the first job I tried to have, I was a paper boy and, uh, you know, I tried to do it the right way, you know, the first time. And after a month of delivering paper, I went papers, I went around to like collect like my money. And, like, everyone I went to was, like, yeah, there's already a guy here who already collected the money. And the guy who had hired me, and I'm talking, like, I'm, like, 10 years old, he had, like, went around and collected all the money and skipped town. Oh, my God. So, like, I didn't get paid for a whole month worth of work. (laughs) So, that's a really good introduction to my first job. It's, like, yeah, work and you get nothing. Oh, Uh, God. So, yeah, that kind of led to, like, well, maybe there's alternative ways I could, like, get money and things like throwing this brick through this gas station window and stealing a bunch of stuff, you know, so (laughs) kind of went down like a pretty dark path with like, you know, just like, I never really like stole from like individuals, you know, like I Mm -hmm. would just kind of like rob businesses and stuff. I mean, not like at gunpoint, you know, but like at night, just kind of burglary, breaking in, like stealing stuff, you know, like I try to find places that had nice stuff I might be able to like pawn off or sell or something, you know, Mm -hmm. or just had something that I wanted, you know, like a, a computer or something, so. Yeah. yeah, I did some pretty shitty shit when I was younger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so how'd you get out of that? Uh, actually, to be honest, um, uh, I, you know, I was kind of like I was in some punk rock bands and stuff, and like I, punk rockers are a pretty like rough group, you know? Yeah. Um, what did you play in the punk rock bands? Uh, I was actually the first band I was in. I was a guitar player and the singer. Okay. Um, and the second band I was a bass player and singer. Gotcha. Uh, pretty much like you know, like I've just been around this rough crowd. I grew up in a really shitty neighborhood, you know, like just used to people just being like really rough, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I went to my first party actually in '96, uh, which I would have been, or I'm sorry, 16. And uh, <clears throat> it was like night and day. Like uh, this girl took me, um, Andrea Armstrong, to the to the party. And she was actually like her and her brother were kind of like party kids from like the early early days too. Like, uh, but they uh, they took me to this party and. I was just, like, completely blown away by the fact that everyone at the party was, like, like, they were just all really kind to each other, you know, and, like, <laughs> and like, they all just accepted you for who you were, and, like, I think deep down, like, that's really what I wanted, you know, mm-hmm. but, like, I wasn't around anybody that I could be yeah. like that with, and so as soon as I was, like, in that kind of environment, like, I just completely embraced the whole thing and, like, yeah. you know, really, really wanted to, like, you know, change and and, and just get out of it so it was really just kind mm-hmm. of like having the opportunity to be around good people that got me yeah. out of it you know it is cliche but that's not a DJ <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it basically was yeah. the truth you know it really did happen <laughs> I think but, it was at that party was Paul Johnson and uh, DJ Alert you remember him probably? oh yeah. yeah oh yeah uh, Tim <laughs> TV, right yeah Tim TV. yeah yeah, yeah. They, were, they were playing that show yeah, wow wow <laughs> that and the combination of uh, a lot of acid really kind of like <laughs> altered my perspective
0: and just in the old eye dial <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well cool so that i mean yeah that's that was your first party and so at that event did you
1: know you wanted a dj from there or was uh, it yeah i mean basically like that very first event like well i mean obviously i was just kind of like amazed by the music you know like um I, I, you know, I, I've noticed a lot of, like, punk rockers, or at least, like, a lot of, like, especially in the early days, electronic artists, like, a lot of them used to be punk rockers, mm-hmm. and, like, that's exactly the same path I came through, um, but, yeah, like, I, after being there, I'm just, like, first of all, like, just the, the environment, the people, like, just the vibe of the whole place, it was, like, a whole new world that was, like, just euphoria to me, you know, mm-hmm. and... Uh, yeah. Just hearing the music, I was like, "What is this ridiculously awesome music?" You know, I, I'd, I'd heard it in cars and stuff, but like actually hearing it on a big system and like yeah. that bass throb and just like being in it, mm-hmm. like that completely yeah. like you know being a, mu- a musician all my life like growing up like you know since I was a kid like i was always drawn to music and like mm-hmm. this was something new and exciting and yeah. you know yeah so i was immediately like what are they doing how are they doing that are they making the music while they're doing that <laughs> like i yeah, didn't know what yeah. was. Or anything, what, you know? what kind of music was it uh well <clears throat> tim tv was playing acid house type stuff like back then and then obviously paul johnson yeah, yeah you know so um those are the only two people i remember from the show i remember it was called absorb was the name of it it was like one of those like flyers that like was like a, a mock of like some kind of like product, you know, and it was like absorb, yeah. you know, like it was supposed to be like some like laundry detergent or something, you know. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, all like the, the people on the flyer, but it like looks like laundry detergent, you know. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. So yeah, from
0: there, what was your or how did you get your first setup, or what was your first setup, um, or did you just have friends and play on their stuff? Uh, I
1: didn't really have like a setup <clears throat> per se. Uh, I mean, I let's see, I think the first things I got. Uh, I got it at, like, a pawn shop, and they were, like, these Gemini XL BD-10s. They were, like, belt drive, kind of, like, plasticky type things. I got them at, like, a pawn shop, and uh, <clears throat> I had to actually, like, take the platters off and, like, rip out all this, like, mechanics inside, just, like, snapping gears off and stuff because it had this auto return, and, like, it wouldn't even play the whole record before, like, it lifted up. And the pitch controls were, like, these little, like, sideways, tiny little sliders, and you had to switch between 33 and 45, and they had separate ones, and the platter was all wobbly, you know, (laughs) little belt drive things. But that was my first setup, yeah. Like, so I just kind of, like, learned to be, like, super careful on the record, you know, like, and just kind of push stuff around. How did you... I mean, so obviously it was just cheap.
0: Is that how you afforded it? Yeah. I mean,
1: I didn't really, like, have any kind of, like, work ethic or anything, you know? Like, I'd just come from being, like, a thief and, you know, like only, like, barely being able to even, like, have a half-assed job, you know, so I just couldn't afford anything nice, Mm -hmm. so it was just, like, that or nothing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, like, uh, Brandon, you know, like, DJ Uplift at the Mm -hmm. time, like, he sold me a few records um, as well uh, that kind of got me started a bit, and then also made some trips to Chicago to go to, like, Hot Jams and other record stores there and just kind of, you know, buy a couple records with some friends when we went there for a party or whatever. Yeah.
0: I mean, that. That's in Iowa. That's how you had to do it then, huh? Like, I mean, there's no internet. Yeah. I mean, well, there's internet, but it's not the internet as we know it today. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, just I'm sure draw you it, listen to you, like tracks online. Yeah, yeah. Like, Nor, I mean, I yeah. mean, I'm sure you could
1: buy them on, but not like as simple as fucking Amazon Prime or. Well, in the very, very beginning, I mean, I you couldn't even like go on and buy records. Like, yeah, I, you had to go to the record store, or actually, hot jams that you could call them on the phone and like they would be like what are you into whatever you know and like they'd be like all right we'll check out this record and they'd actually like play the records over the phone you'd be like yeah yeah, i'll take that one (laughs) you know and like they get recorded phone like (laughs) no cell rotary dial like (laughs) like, hey oh that's a good track and you're just like listening to it on a shitty phone speaker you know like like, oh yeah i'll take that one (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's that's funny you're you're buying the music. So what what kind of music did you play with, or was
1: it just kind of like what you could get your hands on, or when it did it start to that, develop? Like, I think like you know a lot of my first records I got from Brandon's Brandon uh, DJ Uplift. Uh, so you know kind of like I, I actually liked house a lot at the time. You know like uh, it just had like a very positive kind of mood and vibe to it. You know and uh, a lot of the people I hung out with were really into that kind of stuff. Uh, besides like you know Corey and Tim Tebe and those guys mm-hmm. were all into like techno. Um, I like that too, but I kind of just went with house first because that's what i could get my hands on okay so yeah how did did things kind of progress from there when did you
0: did you start being a part of a a production team or um did did you
1: when did you start throwing shows or i didn't you just start djing i just kind of dj'd at first i didn't really do a lot of shows or anything like I, i i really wanted to get technique turntables and so like i had like frowned up enough money to buy like a quarter ounce of some weed and I was kind of selling with it, selling it, you know, like to try to like make money to get some like techniques. And uh, <clears throat> in that time, I actually was hanging out with this other guy who apparently was like still robbing places. And I didn't realize it. And I was with him and he got like kind of like set up. He was going to pick up some drugs or something. And like I was in the car with him. I had all my weed with him or with me. You know? uh. And uh, basically pulled up to this phone like booth uh, by an Osco drug in Cedar Falls. And he's waiting for the guy to show up to, like, drop off some drugs or something. And all of a sudden, like, all these cops come running up to the car and, like, totally get us. And I could have just pinned the weed on him uh, because they found, like, my weed. And it was all, like, separated in bags. And, like, I had money and stuff in there. like. And I was just, like, all, like, this good person at the time, you know, because I just had this whole change of life type thing. And I'm like, no, it's mine. So I actually got, like, locked up in a voice training school for six months. Oh, until wow. I was 18 after that. Oh, wow. So I didn't get my techniques. I got all my money taken and all my <laughs> mood oh, taken. shit. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what, you know, <laughs> this music's done to me in the beginning. Anyway, yeah. You know? yeah. So, uh, yeah. What, yeah, how did things just progress from there? I mean, uh... well, so, I mean, I guess I, I like, I got really, like, <clears throat> pretty obsessed with DJing, you know, and I tried to do it as much as I possibly could um you know obviously trying to figure out regular life shit too at the same time but uh some of like the most original people doing shows like you know Corey and stuff he was playing a lot of shows he might have been involved with throwing a little bit of them but like uh some of the first people doing shows were like josh locky and mingo who actually i think he lives here in denver now oh really yeah um <clears throat> he did uh, a lot of early stuff and then do you know jason snell like bombardier i think is what he goes by Oh yeah, he played one of uh, Coleman's shows recently. Yeah, I mean he usually does like pretty heavy hardcore stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like <clears throat> between like Josh Locky and Mingo, those two were throwing shows. Um, I didn't. I I played I think maybe something for Josh Locky, um, and then I got involved with uh, Mind Over Matter. Uh, they did like a like maybe three shows in Iowa, and they were just enormous shows. It was like these two kids who were basically like kind of rich kids family type thing you know like Mm -hmm. they had a decent amount of money and i mean i think their first show they did um was at the five sullivan brothers convention center in um waterloo yeah and uh man i can't think of the name of the show but it was huge like they were both booking people like they were just like oh we're gonna book this person that person and like when they came together to figure out who they booked they booked all these huge names like just like they had like probably, like, 30 DJs and nothing but huge, huge names, you know? <laughs> and the show, actually, in Waterloo turned out, like, 3,000 people. Downtown At, Waterloo. like, 35 bucks a head or something. Like So, like, <laughs> they just had this huge success It like, made, like, the paper and everything. But I ended up, uh, like, uh, trading places with somebody at that show. I was supposed to play, like, really early. And uh, I ended up playing, like, a sunrise set, uh, like, basically last set on the main stage. They had, like, three, three rooms in the party. Um, and it was, like... They opened the the huge like bay doors to the convention center, and so I'm just, like playing like this euphoric trance like in the middle of downtown Waterloo, like where all these people are like you know going in their business suits to places and stuff, like, and it was like what's going on in there? And it was like there was like you know like a few thousand people there they you were know? raging yeah. in the morning oh man i can't believe they let you get away with oh yeah, yeah no they were all about it like the city was like this is great seeing these young entrepreneurs trying to do something you know like <laughs> they were like they have something <laughs> paper and everyone was all positive about it you know yeah it's a musical cultural <laughs> event <laughs> <laughs> world music everybody yeah, like, so this this. You know, besides little barn parties and you know whatever was going on that friends were just doing like that was probably oh, yeah. the first like real big <sighs> thing that i played at you know so did you start when did you start producing was well right after that party I was just talking about uh literally that day the next morning after I got done like um I moved to Colorado like the first time I lived here like so literally like they paid me I think it was like 300 bucks I was like this is awesome the most I've ever been paid for a show ever (laughs) and like I just went to Colorado like immediately the next day and uh like yeah I just kind of got out here, I was just, I think I was just trying to get, like, out into a city somewhere, you know, like, and I had some friends out here, and I just wanted to really kind of pursue the whole music and electronic thing, and I figured going to a bigger city would probably help to do that, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so, I, that was just, like, the first time I got out here. So, how long were you here then? Uh, the first time, see, that would have been right around 2000 that I came here, um, and I think I was here for a couple years. Um before I moved to California. And that was just like me chasing a music that I liked again. Uh-huh. Why I went there. What part of California? Uh Bay Area. I lived in uh Berkeley and Oakland for okay. like probably about a year. And then how long were you there? Uh yeah, about a year and then I um uh actually I'd uh have you ever heard of like there was like these guys doing and actually in, in what they called like trance in California it was called cyber trance. Did you uh-huh. ever heard that term before? Uh-huh. You ever heard of uh Mars and Mystery? Huh. Uh Frequency Eight Records. F eight. Frequency. Okay. Yeah, I've I heard I, of the Frequency Eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was their their record thing. I really liked what they were doing. So that's kind of what made me move to California, and uh, I I sort of chased that out there.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was
1: uh, <clears throat> kind of like this whole like new kind of trance movement thing that was happening out there that I really liked. Okay. <laughs> so that so you were
0: there for a year and
1: then you moved back to Iowa? Uh actually I moved back to Colorado again. Back to Colorado again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your third time living in yeah, Colorado. Third, third time's time the charm, uh. <laughs> I guess. That's,
0: and how long were you there the second time? Uh
1: I only stayed in Colorado 4 months the second time. Um I just moved in with somebody else I knew here. Um I still wasn't fully like learning how to be responsible, you know, like so I uh um I just kind of like at that point, I was trying to figure out some other shit in my life. I was like, oh, uh, you know, I can't just, like, automatically be some, like, super well-paid DJ, you know, who can, like, make a living. But I wasn't going to, like, not pursue it, you know? Yeah. So I tried. Um, but I pretty much went back to Iowa because I decided it was time for me to go to school and, like, get a degree, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, so I just spent a few months in Colorado and just kind of, like, was like, what am I doing with my life? Go back to Iowa where it's cheap to live, you know, and, and get a degree in something so that I can come back out and try again with a little bit more backing, you know? Okay.
0: So what year did you go back to Iowa then? Uh,
1: would have been, I think 2003, probably. 2003. Yeah. Okay. So h- what was the
0: state of the music scene in Iowa at that point or had it changed much since you left? How long, how long were you fully
1: gone then? Uh, I was probably gone for about four years. Four total. years. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe three to four years, something like that okay uh but i had it hadn't changed a lot like when i got back uh rissy and coleman had popped up you know like they weren't really maybe they were around before when i was there but i didn't know them you know and Mm -hmm. they weren't really i don't think they were really doing shows before that but they had popped up you know and like they were like kind of dominating everything at that time like the only ones really doing shows but they were doing a lot of them Mm -hmm. and uh You know i was a little bit like iffy about like me coming in with my whole trance sound you know i'm like oh people are not gonna like this you know like this is not the Mm -hmm. style that's happening was anybody
0: in iowa playing trance at that point no
1: i was actually that was like something i had as a little tag when i was on mind over matter it was like i was only trance dj (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you know uh I, i came back and it was it was kind of going off you know a bit and Uh, I still had some friends from Iowa, and, like, you know, they had some respect for my skills as a DJ and stuff, so, like, they kind of, you know, hooked me up with with those guys, and, you know, I started kind of playing pretty quickly after I got back again and getting involved in the scene in Iowa while I uh, tried to figure out what I was doing.
0: Okay, so you're getting back into the scene, and so when does when does side trance come into the scene
1: well that was pretty shortly after that you know yeah, like 2004 uh, yeah something like that 2000 so pretty much like maybe a year after i got back you know okay um <clears throat> uh yeah because like i had been you know since i left iowa i'd kind of been chasing that whole trance thing you know like mm-hmm. i think it was just like when i had gotten moved by everything you know and like it really changed my life from house to trance happened at a uh, Raven and Bailey. did You ever hear of that party? It was like 2000 up at uh, NCN in Wisconsin. Raven. Raven and Bailey. Uh-uh. It was like this whole circus thing, you know. <laughs> and like I went to that show and I um, I ended up eating a bunch of acid. I did a lot of psychedelics when I was <laughs> going through this whole beginning phase, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, you know, I did that. And like I remember like wandering around the party just like completely out of my mind, you know. But like nothing was like moving me at all, you know. Like I was wandering around that like hill. You know, like they had all these stages around the hill. NCN, yeah. yeah at NCN, and uh, <clears throat> we should we around. should
0: just say quick though, NCN campground stands for no clothing necessary, <laughs> it's and a it's it. it's a nudist. <laughs> yeah, it's a nudist campground. It's actually like a biker campground, like an eighteen plus campground. It's in it's outside of Black River Falls, Wisconsin. And, uh, it is, it is a legendary space yeah, for further shows went on there. The further shows. Yeah. Like Daft Punk's like one of their few American, uh, per, or appearances, uh, was there at the, in the middle of Wisconsin, yeah. uh, before they were robots and everything. And my yeah. first, my first, uh, three day festival was up there, a Cytrance party called Sacred Earth, which, uh. The tenth anniversary of that party is coming around this yeah, year. Yeah, I It'll think
1: be ten uh, years. May actually be going out to that to play. We, but you so might intense. be going to play. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Well,
0: me and me and Rhiannon are will be there to play too. Nice. It's, <laughs> so it's it's huge. Yeah, that was our fir- my first festival, uh, first three day festival. So it's cool to be a part of like the tenth. But yeah, the, that that's the grounds are amazing because uh, yeah, I mean there'll be people there that are. Uh, just just to tell a funny fucking story. One time. <laughs> one time at because it's this nudist campground like every other weekend you'll go into the you'll go into like the bathrooms at this place and they'll have a list of like or the calendar of events and it'll be like all guys weekend uh, like, <laughs> yeah married couple swingers weekend and like you know like which explains why they're so yeah, okay like, with those out there tran- trans <laughs> yeah transvestite weekend yeah like, yeah and this this one time i, I, sh- I swear to god it was a, a trans party and like on the main floor, or that like they had the main stage, uh, in one of their big barns, which they have like a sex swing sitting in there and shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, those were all over it's the place. fucking funny. <laughs> but, uh, there were, there were girls that were there, not there, they were from the venue, or they, you know, they partied at the venue like on the sex weekends, but they were selling ten dollar blowjobs on the dance floor. <laughs> they were walking around and like fucking <laughs> dropping drawers and just oh <laughs> my god, <laughs> like. Being all fucked up and seeing that was that like was the weirdest thing. Like with psytrance going on and like blowjobs. Like,
1: <laughs> I wonder if they were doing it that fast. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, BPM blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah
0: these these grounds are are pretty legendary as far as uh electronic parties go, especially yeah, in the midwest here
1: most legendary places in all of the country as far as like outdoor underground venues yeah yeah i I love going back it's been a few years i I'm super excited to go back right but
0: uh yeah, what were we what were... but that's uh
1: that's that's basically where I found trance, you yeah, know, like uh I was wandering around like just tripping my mind out like and all night long like. I don't know. I was like, I was just like on edge and like antsy and I just wasn't like, it was like, I just, I couldn't get any like, you know, real satisfaction from the music, you know? And, uh, I wandered around all night and I'd stop at stages and I go, it's okay. You know, like nothing's really moving me. And then, you know, sun, the sun was coming up and there was a stage in that little like cove by the pond. Mm -hmm. and uh, I even remember the exact track you know and it was like it's one of those like tripping moments you know like coming around and you hear like the clash of all these other stages happening but you come around the corner and it was um, Libra and Taylor uh, the Sasha remix of Calling Your Name so the first thing I hear was just calling your name i was like what's this (laughs) (laughs) oh like i wanted it over there nobody was there you know like it was like an empty dance floor and i'm just like yes (laughs) just like i'm like just out there on the dance floor with just me and the dj you know and he's like yeah you know (laughs) but yeah like that's what got me started with trance too was just that moment you know i was like this is awesome what is this you know and i figured it out and kind of just started like really getting into the trance cuz it was just even more euphoric and happy and positive, you know, and Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what where I was heading at that time in my life, so.
0: When did psytrance or were you saying that was psytrance? Mm. No, no. Well, that was like trance. Yeah, trance.
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean that would've been like a little before 2000, like I can't remember maybe yeah. in like 98, 99 maybe. Okay. But um, no, the psytrance thing happened after I moved back the from second time Colorado back to Iowa. Um, and that just was like, I was still playing trance mm-hmm. and, uh, I just was getting bored with it, you know? Um, I think I'd, I'd been doing it for quite a few years and at that time, like the whole peak of like the 99, 2000 trance era with all the epic stuff like Goriella and Barry mm-hmm. Corsten and Tiesto yeah. had kind of like passed, you know, and I, I needed to find a new sound and that's mm-hmm. kind of what led me to, <clears throat> to trance. I just started digging around and I found some really cool morning stuff like Sesto Cento, I think maybe, and like. Um, I can't even remember a lot of the early Psytrance artists I found but I was just like this is really different you know mm-hmm. like, and it still had a very positive vibe because it was like more like morning Psytrance yeah 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 you know and uh, that's I think that's like something that's been a theme throughout all of the music I've done is like this mm-hmm. very like hopeful kind of like positive outlook on your future feeling you know like it can be like a yearning sound or like something mm-hmm. but like I think that carries through no matter what style of music I do even up till now it's yeah. like just always this this positive feeling, this, you know, Driving hopeful. Music. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. that, like, <laughs> you know, makes you like feel good about, like, you know, what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the next day in your life, you know? Yeah. Just having a, a positive outlook on your future.
0: Yeah. Well, we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, uh, like, you're, when you played Psytrance for the first time, and I mean, there weren't CDJs, and, yeah, and you were playing like the, the, hor- <laughs> the vertical, thing, yeah, yeah, the vertical, like, wedding DJ setup. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's very different in that sense. But how how different was the experience of mixing side trance versus
1: Uh, trance, or was it pretty similar? It was similar because I mean, like you definitely had a lot of like the melodic elements going on. So I already had that under my belt as far as like being able to like anything with like any held out pads or notes or anything. You know, obviously you've got to like you can't be like pushing the record, you know, because you'll hear like the speed up on the on the uh, like the pads and notes and stuff. So I, I already. Like that transferred over, it was a little punchier with like the kick and the bass, so like in a way you had to be a little bit tighter with the mixing, you know? Yeah. Um, so but it was it was similar, you know, so it wasn't too hard of a transition. Mm-hmm. Let me rewind here just a little bit. But
0: sure. when did you uh I mean, uh what when were you involved in throwing
1: parties in Iowa? I mean, I was always kind of in, involved. I was not really, like, I didn't really throw them. I was always involved with, like, helping out with everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something I always did was help with sound or help with door or whatever I could do. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, the first real, like, party that I threw was with uh, with Jeffrey Law. Mm-hmm. That would have been the first together, which was the free three-day outdoor party. Yeah. That we did. Actually, we did it for a few years after that, too. But uh-huh. um, it would have been in Maquoketa. How did you meet <clears throat> Jeff? Uh, I don't exactly remember... How I met Jeff, um, him and I definitely became really good friends, but... Yeah, you guys uh, have lived together, haven't you? Yeah, yeah and like, uh, just in general, like, have always gotten along really well. Mm-hmm. He's just a really smart guy, but um, <clears throat> the, uh, um, I guess it was probably just through parties, you know, he, like, he played, he was a DJ, you know, like, he played kind of harder techno, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, I'm pretty sure we probably just played at the same show somewhere in Iowa or just met at a party, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So well, yeah.
0: How did how did together get started, or like what was I mean? What's the idea? Because that was that was kind of a big
1: deal for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were pretty huge shows, but um, it was just like Jeff and I like hanging out, um, and just you know like we had kind of really connected and just like we're good friends at the time, you know, and we just enjoyed each other's company. So we we're just hanging out. I'm pretty sure we just you know we're driving. I think actually I remember the moment we were in his Jeep and we're driving like animosa or from animosa for some house party or an outdoor little garage party or something you know and uh just started talking about doing a show um you know and that you know we felt like people hadn't really or they were kind of like losing the the whole point of doing shows you know like which was just about like for us at the time especially it was just you know like the just about the community and like you know really like giving to each other and and caring for each other and like, you know, building something by all working together, Mm -hmm. you know, which is obviously where the name together came from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why also we kind of just came up with the idea to do, there weren't any really outdoor festivals in Iowa at the time, you know, like there was no, everyone just did one night parties, whatever. So we decided that we want to do an outdoor festival and we decided to make it free, you know, Mm -hmm. for a three day festival. And uh, yeah, that's how the first together came about just kind of driving down the road, listening to some techno, you know, and, just being like, we should do a show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, where was the first one, and what year was that then? Uh, it would have been in, It's in, it was in Maquoketa, which is a small town in Iowa. It wasn't actually in the town, it was like out in the country. Um, it's famous for like the caves there, Maquoketa mm-hmm. Caves. Um, but yeah, it was just like, we basically had just started looking for, for places. Jeff grew up in Anamosa, so he uh, knew that area, and like we just kind of drove around, and we just... Stopped at places and just talked to the owners. We we're like, "Hey, we want to do a festival here. This looks like a great spot." And they were like, "Yeah, that's perfect." They even like had a stage at this this first place, you know, like they did like band things there. I don't think they knew what they were getting into, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll do that," you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how we found it, and how we, you know, just kind of just drove around and like that looks like a good spot. Let's go find mm-hmm. the owners, you know. Yeah, and just like talk to people.
0: Okay, so you had that first one there. Oh it was it in the same spot again, or it, it was never we in moved the same it, spot. we moved it every single year, yeah, yeah, the okay. only
1: uh, caveat that was that we had to have it by uh, water source every year. Because the first one was like right on the um the Maquoketa River, and uh, we loved that the water was there. I think I remember at that first one too, like all these people got in this canoe and they had like a table with all this cocaine on it, and they're like trying to do ah! rails in the river, and, and they just flipped the whole canoe ah! <laughs> like, they just dumped everything. <laughs> That's but smart. yeah, it was just like the water really made it, you know, like the sunrise would come up and there's like all this fog and steam coming off the water, you know, and it was just so beautiful. Like it really made cool. it made the moment, you know, and yeah, so that was the one caveat that just keeping it on the water.
0: Yeah. And then the second one, was that the one outside of Vinton, mm. Yeah. Or which, no, the
1: second one was uh, up at the, uh, the campground at Chimney Rock. Chimney Rock—that was right. a huge one. Where, yeah, where Mother Nature's ball, yeah, that's what yeah. happens. Yeah, that okay. was 2004. That's uh,
0: where uh, Adventure Camp
1: happened a couple years ago. Okay, they were doing yep. one up there. Yeah, yeah, that that was a crazy one, and that one got really big, and it was very, very epic. And I'd say that was like,
0: how even though it was like the second
1: one, like it was the pinnacle of it. Like, um, I don't even know how many people. Like, at least like. I mean it wasn't like it wasn't really like huge, huge, like I mean as far as the amount of people it turned out, it was just the venue was ridiculous, the sound was ridiculous. How Um, many stages? We had two stages. Um, the main stage that we had was, uh, Rex wrote sound, which was oh, like yeah. those huge long throw speakers. Like you can't even feel the bass unless you're a hundred like feet away from it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. way too loud, <laughs> 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 which we found out later in the weekend, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, two stages. Uh, and, uh, the, the cool thing about that one was that, um, I mean, people were after our first one, people just like, I mean, they just got into the idea of what we were trying to do, you know, like. They love the idea of Together. They love that it was all about just everyone putting in what they could to, like, make these awesome shows happen just together, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, when, I mean, people donated tons of money at the door. Like, and we did this huge show. And actually, to be honest, it was mostly Jeff Law who did all the finances, you know? Mm -hmm. I helped with, like, all of the organization and, like, helping run the show, like, coming with ideas and stuff. But, like, he really, like, backed the finances, you know, Um, which... You know, I, I know it was really rough on him at the time, too. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, so i got to give him credit in that regard. Yeah, but yeah. But, yeah, it was, those. I mean, it was amazing. Like, those, that show was, you know, huge. Um, Yeah, the cool thing, though, I was going to say about that was, uh, so just as an idea to make it so people would add something to the actual event, was uh, I said that it's free to get in, but everyone who comes to the door has to have a tiki torch and lamp fuel for it. And so we made them all camp down um, by the river. And this, like you come over this hill and you come down and there's a camping area. It's right by the river and there's like 200-foot cliff walls on the other side. And so every single person that came there, and I would say it's, it was only like maybe like 800 people, mm-hmm. but all That's- of them had to camp there. So you come over this hill and there's like eight hundred tiki torches ah. in a field, like along this river with like this huge cliff wall behind it, you know, just beautiful like scene, you know. That's and awesome. It was a it was a really amazing show.
0: So <laughs> cool, dude. And so so then the third year would have been at
1: and then. Uh yeah I think that's no wait well, yeah yeah the one at, at Brandon actually Monaster or what, what yeah. the fuck is it oh, I can't remember anymore but it was I, like a I public remember. campground Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I actually have a
0: really funny story because that's that would be I would I was a senior in high school that year so this would have been 2004 and my one of my best friends actually the guy and I've talked about it on the podcast before but he introduced me to electronic music my friend uh, Brian Beecher he his
1: parents uh, lived at this awesome Beecher? house. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But Beecher yeah. introduced you. the Beecher you that's know awesome he, here. He's, he was always he's like such a huge supporter of my original tracks. Oh he yeah, he's always on there like all the time commenting. Yeah, and, he and introduced me to trance back in fucking so that's awesome. High but school, I didn't mean to interrupt. That is oh no, I didn't know cool. that Beecher was like your introduction. Yeah, yeah, scary. yeah. Back in high school, but uh, <laughs>
0: I mean he we always partied and hung out at his house, which was like three miles outside of Vinton, and his his house was like. Uh, probably like f- two or three miles from the venue or maybe it was probably like five miles actually. Yeah. But I mean, it was, it was in the direction and close to like where the party was. And like in high school, like there was like these rumors, like dude, there's a rave out at fucking Mount Esta or the, the park, and, oh, Like yeah. a rave. Like what are you? <laughs> that do you, was us. Yeah. It's like, who, how can you just go throw a rave there? It's a campground. And I uh, like, I didn't really believe it, but then we were hanging out at beachers that night. And we could fucking hear the music from the distance. And we had, we had a couple of friends that went and we're walking around and, and they came back and they're, I mean, they're like, dude, it's the craziest shit ever. There's people everywhere and music and there's, they're selling glass pieces and you can't believe it, man. It's like, I'm yeah. like, it's a circus. And we're like, how is this happening? We're like hanging out in the hot tub, just like, I mean, little do I know that this is going to become my family. Like within a year, right? Like, here we are sitting here, yeah, here we are, yeah. In the distance. It's That's so awesome. it's so funny. Like I remember that. Just like, how can you just throw a rave out in middle of Iowa? Like, oh, believe me, it wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nor did it happen again. No, we basically we talked
1: to the park ranger about that, and like they seemed cool with it, you know. And like, uh, and basically what we did is we just rented out every single campsite in the park. You know, and we're like, let's just do this. Go for it. <laughs> we just did it. You know, <laughs> awesome. I can't so believe awesome. we managed to keep the party running the whole weekend. Like the second night they were like, we're going to shut this down because of noise complaints. And like we came up with the idea was like went around the camp, like the party. And it was like everyone who's got a van. I think like uh, Charlo had a big van. We had uh, Matt's trailer from the sound system. And basically what we did is we just had all the, I, I, I came up with the idea is just pull all the vehicles up around this, like the stage. Like, so you had this, like, wall of, like, vans and trailers and big trucks and stuff. Like, just basically, like, holding this little, like, circle of sound in. And, like, we didn't get any complaints after that. Oh, like, wow. It just, like, you know, like, parked all around the stage. And everyone That's had to, a like, come idea. between the vehicles, like, to get in there on the, on the dance floor, you know. And, like, it, it kept Fuck it going yeah. the whole weekend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. All right. So, when, yeah, when did, when did
1: Cy, like, start dying out in Iowa? I mean, can you really um, remember... I, mean, I, I don't think, like, I was really around for it to die out. Like, um, I was doing the whole Morningside thing, and there was very few of us that were doing, like, that kind of sound. Everyone, like, yeah. kind of, like, got into, like, the really heavy, neuro, dark stuff. And basically, I mean, like, the the people doing the shows had a lot of respect, you know, for what I was doing and stuff. Like, especially, like, you know, say, like, Scott and Igor and stuff, uh-huh. or Illuminati. like, yeah. they, they're some of the greatest caring guys I've ever Absolutely. met. Like, I love those guys. Um, But they... Uh, pretty much like, you know, for the most part, like, you know, the the kind of morning stuff I was doing just wasn't really getting like a lot of respect. Yeah.
0: Well, and I mean, the only time you could play is in the morning. Right. So nobody, you know, all the, you know, the main, any other job would be like any other party. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't really a. Right, acceptance and for those that. few
1: loving, caring, really great people. I mean, the people on the dance floor in the morning were like some of the best people and some of my best friends of of, of the whole Psytrance scene. You know, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of those people would even go to bed and wake up just to hear my set. You know, and I really appreciated that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's definitely much... where I got inspired to like my favorite
0: time is to play in the morning because yeah. just seeing you do it back in the day is like you have to play like the perfect music for that hour to get legitimate dancing out of people or, like, right. to keep their interest. Like, you have to have the right amount of motion, the right amount of speed, Yeah. and just, you gotta fucking tug at the heartstrings and you gotta keep them going because yeah. everybody's on their third fucking rudder,
1: you know. Right, right. well, it, I, I usually didn't, like, I mean, I had, like, a good collection of tracks in the night, but, like, almost every time I did one of those morning sets, like, I come with a big collection of tracks that I, I kind of wanted to play, but, like, for me, the morning sets were always about, like, summing up how the, the the rest of the night felt you know like mm-hmm. so I, I would go around the party and i'd experience the night and I'd, I'd party with everyone or whatever but then like when it became like you know a couple hours till i to play or something i'd go off somewhere with my laptop and headphones and like sit in private for a couple hours and like go through my music and decide like what i wanted to play to like kind of sum up the feeling of like how the night went you know and like try to like match that feeling in the morning set you know mm-hmm. And, like, I never would come up with a set or, like, figure out what I was going to play until, like, you know, like, late in the night at the party, I would actually, like, go off on my own and do that, you know? Mm-hmm. It was just kind of my thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's really cool. I was, I mean, I was there for this. I'm really just, like, kind of saying right. yeah, I mean, yeah, so this so people can know. Right, But, yeah, so this, what year did this kind of happen? This was, like, was this 2008,
1: 2009? 2009? Uh, let me think. Uh, Maybe two th- I mean, I think a, I think two thousand nine. It was thinning about,
0: out, right. and I and I mean, a real big part of it was the the falling out of Mind
1: Outside, really. Uh, right. Like, a, I mean, they were the ones doing the shows. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And also, uh, you know, Jeff was too for a while, but then he he took off and did his own little like uh, art. His art art thing he's doing, like with all of the mosaic stuff and everything. And yeah, he had, he got yeah. From doing shows. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so like they were the big people doing them, and I think uh, you know, like Jeff. I think the last big thing I remember him doing was like Mage three. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Like Chris and Nick and yeah, they had their like falling out thing happen or whatever. And yeah, uh-huh. I think that just kind of like killed off because they were really the only people doing it. You know? Yeah,
0: exactly. In, and in Iowa anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of interesting too though. I mean, I don't know how much longer it'll carry on, but I mean like there's at least one, even a three day or at least one big party every year. That's kind of an homage to the size and what it used to be in Iowa, which is kind of cool. Like with uh safari and, and other events, right. like they, they come, they come back for like one time a year and call it Siowa. <laughs> yeah, because for the longest time, Iowa was referred to Siowa. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, they had like r- their four year run
1: where that was e- like dominating. Yeah, know?
0: yeah, yeah. It's interesting because that that kind of died out, and so yeah, like the two thousand eight, nine, ten, and and that's when kind of the new genre stepped in, which was uh, dubstep, and it was kind of the the next big thing that came to Iowa, which was really interesting to compare. Because uh, dubstep became, that was kind of like what the tipping point for making electronic music mainstream. I think was kind of right. the first steps towards that, and uh, all the kids being who getting into the scene at the time were into dubstep. Well, yeah, it's interesting too because like all the while this is all going on, and I mean, which is why like my my bread and butter, you know, the stuff we play and and listen to today is. Right. You know, house and techno, um, whatever genre within those realms it right. may be, is that it's it's always been a constant, no matter what. Like when, you, like you were saying in the beginning, when you started, I mean, ha- the people were playing hardcore, happy hardcore, and trance and stuff, and then I mean, but house and yeah, techno, all those was things there. like kind of died out. But and you're then right in it that dies that. out, and then Psytrance comes, reigns for four years, falls out while house and techno keeps right. that steady beat continuous. Yeah, dubstep comes, trap comes it's it's just, just super cool i mean and i feel like that's just kind of what happens like if you are it like serious about electronic music it's like it's it's like a funnel kind of like you get dropped into this fucking big bowl of fucking all the all the electronic music and the longer you stick in it, the longer you are filtered or, or funneled to,
1: like, house and techno. Like, yeah. Not, not everyone, but well, no, it no. just seems. I mean, everything comes and goes, like, the thing I think that, you know, like, why that happens, too, a lot of times is just, like, if you think about, like, all those styles that come and go, like, they're built on, like, a very much, like, a specific, like, type of sound and, like, mm-hmm. a structure. Yeah. Where, like, to continue to have it be that style, like, it has to repeat that same sound and structure. And people get bored with the same yeah. thing, you know, over and over again. Whereas, like, techno and house, like, they seem like they have a lot wider range of where they're able to go and still be house or techno. Yeah, You know, completely. so people can, like, stay in the genre, but, like, alter it in ways that, like, yeah. they can go through different phases. And or still, overlap like, and influence. Right. Yeah, it yeah. It can sustain, you know. it can take. Yeah. It, it can take parts from all these other little, like, you know, fiddling and, like, strange genres that have just come and gone. Take the little best parts and, like, bring those into that style and, like, you know, it can kind of take those parts and, like, uh, you know, add add to it Mm -hmm. and just, like, evolve house and techno, you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: Another way I look at it, too, is with, I mean, all the different genres, I mean, each genre has, like, a specific tempo range. And I feel like house and techno have the specific tempo range that you are able to, like, dance to regardless i mean all night or right, for 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 yeah yeah whereas mm-hmm. with like dubstep it's like bah, 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 yeah. bah, bah. you can only do that for you know so, so many you can't do that for 24 hours and with like neuro psy or, right, or it, drum and bass you can't you can't keep up like it's like
1: they're drug-fueled music yeah like, yeah that's how i've always put like neuro and, and dark side and like i know like there's a lot of talent and quality and like a lot of what people are doing there are some really interesting stuff with sounds like, oh yeah so i'm yeah. not trying to put it down but like you know, like, it's drug-fueled music, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it's, like, you basically need the, you know, like, that kind of thing to keep yourself going unless you're a very rare person who's over-hyperactive. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, it's, like, drug-fueled, which, that's not sustainable. I mean, like, everyone, like, you know, they go through the little drug phases and stuff, you know, and, like, uh, you know, but eventually they're either going to crash with the drugs or they're going to get off of them, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, at that point, that music is no longer, like, a viable option. Yeah. Know? So yeah, I mean like you want music that's sustainable, something uh-huh. that you know you can listen and through through your whole sober, life, yeah, yeah, you know, and sober, yeah, something that like you know you can you something can you would to. show to your parents, yeah, exactly. Listen to this crazy freaking sound, mom. Yeah, <laughs> 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 what is this noise? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I guess you know, dubstep started coming into the scene. That was kind of the thick of when. I I mean I had really converted to uh, house and techno strictly. I mean like, in the beginning you say it was converted
1: like wh- what were you trance straight trance. Oh really? Okay yeah. I'm pretty sure you saw me play my first set ever at uh, uh, Up All Night okay. at Faras. That would probably explain why I like really got into like what you were doing because I'm like oh sweet somebody else is kind of into the yeah yeah of, I played just like a it. straight up fucking trance set at Faras my first show okay. and I was just shit in my pants I was so excited. You did but, really well, though, man. Like, you were <laughs> one of the only DJs, like, especially out of the new people that actually, like, even, I remember, like, many times me and Coleman and Rissy, like, sitting in a room together and we're like, Ben's actually really fucking good. <laughs> <You> know, like, that's <laughs> crazy. He's actually, like, you know, like, somebody who's actually, like, he actually has a good sound. He, like, knows how to go with a full His own sound. Through, right? Yeah. You he's... know, like, well, yeah, and it was just, like, you know, he's actually good. And, like, I, I don't know how many times, like, us three had that conversation, you know, about you. or like, man pretty good up-and-comer <laughs> oh yeah no no that shit drove me for sure man. yeah
0: I mean, you, I mean you you inspired me uh coleman gave me like the opportunity of a lifetime at the the halloween party where shit was going to get shut down so we switched it around so i played right before kooky scientist and like played him under the table and the, everyone, like, <laughs> that was like my breakthrough performance was that the, the yeah yeah i just
1: sheltered what he was doing yeah he didn't know the people like you did though, in that, exactly. You, know, you knew what they wanted. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so time progressed a bit, and we that that's when I I mean yeah I really got into house and techno. Really, it was after going to Ultra and more so Detroit. A- after Detroit, like everything changed. Right. That'll my first you. my you first techno. For sure. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> first year, which was in uh, 2008. So this year will be my eighth year. Yeah, and that's pretty when cool. I was doing the shows and was got involved with the Code and Steve-O, which was my other the other right. the other trance buddy. Oh yeah, dude. It was yeah, pretty much the trance guys back in the day
1: were me, you, me, and, and Steve-O. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I had some good times with Steve-O, for sure. Yeah. And he was always a big supporter of what I was doing. so. Yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, yeah, and then b- being with the Code, I mean, we threw some pretty fucking huge shows, Planet
1: Xmas and. You know where, obviously, being a part of the code, you know where the code came from, right? The whole, like, door lock code on RJ's truck.
0: No, I haven't uh, actually heard that. Oh, really? Yeah. You're
1: part of the code? Like, so they basically never told like, me that. They're like, it something with Stevo and uh, RJ, and, like, it was like he had, like, a Ford truck, and they had those little, like, code locks on the door. And, like, so they'd always be like, I need to get something out of the truck. You know the code. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that's, like, where the code started. <laughs> It was because of that. That's cool. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean,
0: it easily sounds like it comes from
1: elsewhere, but... Right. Well, I mean, oh, definitely. Damn you, Stevo, for never telling me. I think there's more to it than, you know, just that. Obviously, it became more than that, but I think, like, that's where originally it started. At least that's what Stevo told me. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, we were throwing shows, and, yeah, the right... Dovestep came along, and then... uh, Well, I guess we didn't even talk about this that much, but... You got back into house and and techno. techno, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Did you start DJing it, or did you start producing it? It was kind of like, well, my producing always goes along with my DJing. Like, I'm always kind of producing while I'm DJing, so mm-hmm. it kind of all happens at the same time, but I think what happened is, like, how I was describing before, like, I felt like, you know, other than, like, a few uh, really awesome people showing me support and respect, I feel like I just, I just really didn't have a chance to, like climb and grow in the whole Psytrance scene, you know, like, I didn't feel like I was really going to go anywhere with it other than, like, you know, playing music for some really cool people, like, a few really cool people, mm-hmm. um, but <clears throat> really what happened was, like, I think at this point, like, this has been years down the road, and, like, Rissy and Coleman were, like, you know, like, they understood that, like, I still drew a crowd, and people, you know, still came out to hear me play, and, uh, you know, so they booked me, even if I was playing Psytrance, you know, they'd be like, well, you know, and I, I always played a little different than everyone else, you know, it was melodic, and... Uh, you know, just different and uh, it could fit in a normal party. Um, but basically, what happened it was a show at, at Farah's and they booked me to play Psytrance, and uh, I just like busted out with like a bunch of like border community stuff, like Nathan Fake, like uh, James Holden, the Halloween uh, party, yeah, yeah, uh, um, like Fairmont, you know, just like straight up, like I mean, it was basically almost, I mean, it wasn't all border community, but like it was along those lines, you know, and like the. People just didn't expect it because so I didn't yeah. tell anyone that I was playing uh-huh. different. They were expecting Psytrance, you know, and, like, I played that and just the whole crowd. went. that was nuts. at the Opera House. Um, that particular one was at uh, at Faraz. That was the first time. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's changing right. Changing my style completely. You know? I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, had like that. that little bar, um, you know, like, right on the corner of, what was it, Burlington and Gilbert in yep. Iowa City? And, uh. <laughs> Yeah, dude, like, people just went nuts, and of course, like, you know, Rissy and Coleman were, like, huge supporters in the crowd, they're like, finally, Eric's explaining some goddamn techno, <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, they're just like, yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I appreciated that a lot, yeah. and, like, yeah, it was just, like, I had such a great response from it, that, like, I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter what I play, you know, like, I, and I'm gonna keep changing my style as I go, but, you know, I just... Whatever I do, it seems like people get into, and, you know, I'm going to just keep doing what I do and not really worry about too much. And
0: After all this, when, when did you actually make the move to Colorado?
1: Let me think. How long have I move been back here? Moved back third time. Well, let's see. I know I moved on Halloween, uh, and I think it's been three years as of last Halloween. So I've been here for. Because we're two, yeah, we're like almost three and a half years. Three ago. and a half, because we're two and a half. Right. I've been here two and a half. You think you were here like a yeah. year before. us? Well, like which I went... was another
0: another step too of your influence. Is I mean, you <laughs> moved here Helping and get other people you, out you were here. the first. You were really the first of like the Iowa collective to say, "Fuck this, we're moving to Colorado." Right, and like. It's been a domino effect every six months or so. Right, like we more, keep more and, and more and people keep coming out. Well, here. I mean, I
1: definitely wasn't the first. Like, um... I uh, mean, of of this like generation of us, of us yeah. Like this well, this line, of... basically like uh, hardcore Nate and uh, Kevin O'Donnell, like uh, Ascension. You yeah, know, he they they were already out here uh, when we moved out, and I actually had uh, like we Carolyn and I had planned to live with Lauren. Some shit went down with us and whatever. That's the past, but like. We ended up not staying with them, and, like, uh, Hardcore Nate and Kevin put us up um, for a while, um, and Annie, you know, in their place, and we were, like, sleeping in the hallway for a month when we first got here, and uh, then we finally got, like, a shitty little apartment for Carolyn and myself, you know, but, like, yeah, we were, I mean, between, besides them, like, we were definitely some of the first people, and, like, I think Brooke was still, was out here, too. Yeah, I I guess, I guess Brooke
0: was, I mean, she'd been
1: out here Right. Quite a I don't even but... know why she was exactly out here other than like maybe she knew someone out here or Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean besides that, you know, like I didn't even know she was out here until like after I was living here, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so that's kinda you know, kinda started But yeah, it has it has inspired a lot of people. And I think the more people that move out here, the the more people like feel like, you know, oh, you know, I know some people out there so if shit hits the fan, at least I've got someone that, you know, can like, you know, pick me that's, up off the ground yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, like
0: It's cool too, because we uh, we honestly have a reputation out here. Like people are like, I mean, some people are like, "God damn it, more Iowa people," but they're like, (laughs) they they fucking know you're cool, pretty much if you're from Iowa, which is kind of kind of a nice.
1: We always have a reputation wherever we go that developed over yeah
0: over us like building up this reputation
1: around we're everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) What's been your focus out here? Uh, Not just musically, but. uh, um, as far as,
1: well, you know, like I, I got work. my degree in, uh, electronics engineering technology. So like I've been, I've kind of like jumped around when I first got here, I tried to like do music equipment repair for a while. And like, it turns out that like trying to make money off of poor musicians is a really bad idea. <laughs> uh, so like, I was lucky to make minimum wage and I had like, you know, college to pay for still and like all this stuff. So I did that for like six months and I'd say it's like one of the best learning experiences like I've had. Like, I mean, you see all of this, like, music equipment around here. Like, this is all shit that I got for free that, you know, like, or really cheap that's broken that I've been able to repair because yeah. of, like, partially my school and, um, you know, that, that one job I had. But besides that, I got a better job in some RF electronics doing uh, passive intermodulation calibrations and stuff for this uh, Australian company called Kalis. And doing that uh, just to support myself. And then I'm finally starting to settle in and really... Make some music. Like every time I start to think I'm gonna, you know, keep going to school for more electronics. Like I always remember that music's my passion, and I gotta give it a good chance before mm-hmm. I move on to something else. Although I don't think I'll ever move on. Yeah. it's gonna be a part of me always, and I think I'll always make it. And it's, I mean, it saved your life once. So. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, it made me who I am. You know, exactly. We I mean, had a very big part in it. Uh-huh. So you know, like I'm, it's like the soundtrack for my life. You know, like I always, I need music. For for my whole life, you know, and I, I don't think I'll ever stop listening to electronic. It's just like just sets the mood. For, Absolutely, for my whole life. <laughs> you know.
0: What plans do you have for 2015 as far as music goes? Um,
1: you know, just like write a lot of tracks. Um, not really like, I mean, I always like was too much of a perfectionist. Um, but you know, like, uh, like kind of decided that's not like the greatest idea to be a perfectionist. It's like a guise for procrastination you know (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like perfectionist is like procrastination wrapped up in good intentions and I just decided like I'm just going to write tracks and you know I have all this experience like I know way too much about like writing music yeah uh, but you know really I need the practice and so I'm just writing tracks trying to finish them in a reasonable amount of time I'm going to try to write a lot of tracks this year just to get the practice of really finishing tracks and like seeing where that ends up Um, I think I may actually get some stuff mastered soon to see how that goes, Cool. and just really give music a really, really good go this year, you know, like, I've been doing it for over 15 years, it's always been a passion of mine, and I've never really, like, put the full effort and passion into it every single day to really try to make something of it, and Mm -hmm. so that's what this year is all about. Awesome. You know, like, making music and, like, giving that, my real passion and heart and life a real chance, finally, for once. Hell yeah, comfortably, too. Yeah. 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 (laughs) before we
0: wrap this up let's let's go through a a couple of just fun fun shits from the the past but uh sure like yeah, just quick and shit but uh what are some of the or what's the best shows sets or festivals you've ever been to or seen
1: uh, uh anything off the top of your head uh, uh in in the more recent times I can't like really say best because you know they're all unique but um uh there was I, I, and this is, like, after my trance days, but here in uh, Colorado, Gabriel in Dresden played at Beta, and it was, like, I didn't even do anything. I, like, had one beer, and, like, the dance floor was just, like, in a fog. And I'm not talking about, like, the fog that comes off the sides of the stage, but, like, everyone was just lost in the music, you know, and it was, like, one of those moments I hadn't had in many years where just everyone's on the same level especially We're all just, at beta yeah beta too you know like and everyone's just jacking together and like everyone's just lost in the music and just this total euphoria and the whole room happening you know and like that i'd say as far as most recent good times like that <laughs> i did not expect that from gabriel and dresden you know like but it, it just was something about what they did to the room maybe there was a lot of like old fans there or whatever but what's the what's like the craziest festival you ever went to oh let me think craziest festival you know, that, that Ravenman Bailey Festival was really freaking crazy. Like, uh, they were they were marrying people in the middle of the night. And then in the morning, they had put up this huge thing in the woods that just said, Happy Wedding Day. And there's all these fucked up people. And, like, these people just got married in the middle of the night. You know? it's like, Happy I mean, Wedding Day. They are <laughs> so wearing guys, ring pops. Oh, and... yeah. Dude, like, you know, I like, like wow, did I just marry some guy I didn't know? <laughs> like, seriously? Yeah, that's so that's weird. definitely fucking, that was crazy. I, I don't know, like, I have, I could go on and on and on about the freaking crazy parties I've been to, like, there, there yeah. have been so many crazy ones, but, <laughs> you know, that one popped up. <laughs> awesome.
0: Okay, it's same lot, along the same lines, but the best or and the worst party you've been to, I mean, once again, they're unique, but, like, right. I mean, you could pick one if, if there's, like, a really bad one that sticks out, and, like, oh, man
1: uh i try to forget the bad ones <laughs> yeah yeah or the ones where you lost money which is most of them <laughs> yeah yeah i mean try to do free parties and make money uh, <coughs> it's, not, it's not something you do <laughs> yeah but um you know i don't know like probably worst party was like this barn in mechanicsville um and it's funny cause I hadn't thought town of this in a I long all... time yeah it's like mechanicsville it's like a hick town like probably like couple hundred people live there yeah and it was in this barn and like uh i think i was actually like i was playing a set for some friends you know like they just happened to hook up. people had barn and uh it turns out like a lot of they didn't really like promote it very well so a lot of people that actually knew what the music was weren't there there was like only a few people and so mostly it was just like local like cowboy hicks and oh shit God. and like man they like it, like, turned into, like, violence in the middle of the night. Like, people were, like, fighting and shit while I was playing. Wasted. And, like, they were, like, just, like, knocking the speakers over and shit. Uh, and, like, I had to grab my shit and, like, run out of the barn. Oh, my God. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, I mean, like, you people were like, well, what the <laughs> fuck is this goddamn shit? Like, just started like, fucking punching, like, total, like innocent people on the dance floor. Like, fuck you, you weirdo. Get the fuck out of my town. <laughs> you know, like, just really fucked up. Like, I mean, violence, you know, like, oh, I'd man. say that's probably the worst party I've ever been. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, never party in Mechanicsville. Yeah, don't ever <laughs> if you ever get booked for a party in Mechanicsville, Iowa, don't go. I'm sorry for anyone who's trying to throw a party right there right yeah. now, you know. <laughs> All
0: right, what's the the best and the worst or pick one set you've ever
1: played. Probably in recent times. The best set I would have played was um like, Dance for Dakota. Were you at that one? Oh, yeah, I played. It was, uh, that was an amazing It was a show that day. Coleman did to... Uh, I it was remember like you... a fundraiser for this little girl who had cancer. Like, they were going to have me play kind of earlier in the day, and like, someone canceled. I ended up playing later indoors. Yeah, yeah. And like... I remember that. It was like a sweat fest in there, you know? Like, I had, I think I went through like eight shirts that night. Actually, I still yeah. have this little disco ball shirt that Rissy gave me because I was I can, running out of I shirts. I can even remember a fucking track you played from that. Was it Shield... I played uh, or, uh like the, I know the beginning was like, you know, like Dominoes from like, Dominoes, that's yeah, the track. Yeah by Chris, uh, Lake and, Chris Lake and uh Chris Lake. Michael Woods. I Michael think. Woods, yeah. Yep, that's I fucking and, remember uh, that moment. Yeah, people so remember. Went nuts, they never heard that. He's like, This is trance but it's awesome. It. <laughs> did he, yeah, yeah. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think he ended up playing that later at some shows and stuff too. Like he's like, This is trance, but it's good. And uh, <laughs> I think there was also like some pig and dance stuff. I did like uh uh what is it, uh something russian i can't remember like mother i don't know what it was like russian mother or something russian <laughs> like, Mo- no mother, mother russia, russia or uh, yeah There's i like know you're talking, weird, like a weird den, like, yeah. thing of it yeah i like, remember yeah I remember. but anyway yeah like that whole set just like the whole thing just like i don't know people were just sweaty and jacking their asses off the whole set like
0: Copacabana cabana you know and
1: just like <laughs> screaming and like everyone was just like in it like you know it was just one of those dance floors it was just like once again like a fog you know like everyone yeah. was just in the same place and yeah, I'd say that's like one of my best
0: sets. That same party was when me and Jimmy uh uh did Sonic and Muckles. My best yeah, friend yeah. Jimmy Moksha. I was there for that. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. played during the day right before Coleman and Risty tag. I was dancing for you guys to and out there. uh Yeah, I had the bow tie or the chip and fail outfits on. Oh yeah, on and everything.
1: yeah, <laughs> fucking hairy chests with like a little <laughs> thing going on, like yeah. <laughs> No, that was a good thing. It, and also, you know, it, it was for a really good cause and mm-hmm. I think it was like probably like Coleman's, like 800th time of being like I'm not doing shows anymore and then doing more shows. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The day, yeah, it was the it's like a 12-hour party or something. Yeah, no, it was no, like it, a it was, a, it indoor, was for a good cause and like everyone was just in really good moods and everyone brought their shit to that party when they played, you know. Yeah. So, it was it was all heart. It was, just, all, for it was sure, all good, man. yeah. Fuck yeah. Um and then I guess yeah, I guess you know that's that's most recent. I mean, I mean, there's plenty of good ones, but you know that's one that stands out. Oh yeah, I guess we already talked about like the worst one. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, okay, yeah, we'll uh, we'll wrap this up with one more crazy story, and I actually have a request for it. Back in I I mean I don't even know what year this was because it was before I did but it was back when Jeff was doing shows at the
1: uh, World Theater
0: and I guess you're saying it was his birthday parties?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah yeah he used to do these parties uh, every year I think uh, Jeff Law yeah Jeffrey Law in the beginning of December um, they were called Abandonment and actually that's like a perfect name for like what happened at this show but you know like it was his birthday and like he would always play you know at the show and like you know he always did a good banging techno set but uh there's this this one abandonment that he did and it was with uh I think he booked DDR to play and he did an awesome kind of like live set you know
0: and this is at the world theater at the so, world theater yeah, yeah
1: it's like an old um, very like historic theater in downtown Cedar Rapids Iowa that people were doing some shows at but they had put in a like a false ceiling so the ceiling yeah. was lower so there used to be a balcony like like your traditional paramount theater or whatever but
0: right there there was a ceiling put in so it it just looked like one big room instead of there being
1: an open space with a balcony above. So the balcony just sat on top of the ceiling. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, uh, Jeff's shows were always, like, very underground, very techno, um, always copious amounts of drugs. And, uh, you know, like, people got fucked up really bad, you know? like And, uh, of course, because it's his birthday, people would feed Jeff drugs as well like crazy, you know? So, uh, yeah, I guess early on in the night, like, some of the shit that went down at that show was, like, Jeff got up to play, and this is still, like, all vinyl days, and I think Jeff, Jeff is still a hardcore vinyl player, but mm-hmm. um, he got up on, on stage, you know, and he always plays a jack-and-set, but, like, he was, like, so out of it, and, like, he put his first record on, and everybody's, like, getting down heavy, and he's just, like, looking at the record, and then he's, like, looking at the ceiling, and then the record just ends, and he, like, looks down, and he's, like, what is... Oh shit, I'm playing. Hey. <laughs> he's like, one second and holds his finger up at the crowd. You're like, one second, he likes digging through his record crate. He like puts a record on, he like starts it, plays it, and he's like, Okay, this is a good track, you know? And like and once again he gets to the end and it just ends. <laughs> and he's just staring at the ceiling. <laughs> and like he's like, Oh crap, me again, one second and he grabs another record. I mean, I love Jeff Law and he's always really good at playing, but he was out of it then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but basically what happened, like he, uh and then also I think later he lost uh, all of the money for the show in his wallet, and we're all running around looking for it. I ended up finding it like laying against the wall in the backstage oh or something. God. Like luckily I found it.
2: Yeah, got it back
1: to him with all the money in it. Uh, but yeah, I mean people people fed him way too many drugs that night. But anyway, yeah, at the end of the night uh, we're walking around, you know, like it's you know end of the night, everyone's tired. Like there's only a few people left, I'm, like standing on the dance floor just kind of listening to whoever was playing last, and all of a sudden. This dude just like busts through the ceiling, like not two feet from me, like all the way from the ceiling, and just like falls and lands on his back <laughs> on the ground, random, right like to me. a movie. Just falls from the feet? ceiling. It was probably like from the ceiling It had to be like from the fall ceiling, still like fifteen feet, fifteen feet from the fall yeah, and ceiling, and just like straight and up, just landed the on the balcony. His back. Was probably like another even eight. higher, yeah.
0: Probably so. It was like almost twenty-five foot
1: fall at least. Oh yeah, at least was, the ceiling. Somebody at... had wandered up. And got into the closed off area of the balcony And they're walking around in the dark And didn't realize that the balcony ended And just tripped over the balcony And fell, yeah, probably like 25 <laughs> feet Through a false ceiling And landed and all, like two feet away from me He hits and the all ground all the plaster Oh yeah, and just like busted the ceiling up And everything Dust was, and debris Just comes busting out of the ceiling Right next to me, dude He raining almost He's like, he like boo Hits the ground on his back He's like uh, 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 <laughs> And then he just starts laughing He's like Like <laughs> <laughs> Just like a kooky, crazy laugh, and everyone runs over, like, What the fuck? He just screwed up the ceiling of the venue and, like, grabbed the guy and, like, took him outside. And, like, uh. like
2: you get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs>
1: like, I can't believe he didn't kill himself, dude. Like, landed right next to me. He could have landed, like, on me, you know? Oh, man. But, yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's just, that's out of a fucking movie, man. Oh, yeah, dude. It's
0: raining fucking ravers. My whole life's out of a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I had a camera. Or a GoPro on my head for living at the
1: Hoover house. Oh, man, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah I could go on and on. About yeah, that. yeah. We
0: that, That'll just have to be a chapter one day. Right. We don't want to make this. Get like a group of people and we'll just long. talk about living, when I lived <laughs> at the rave mansion outside of Iowa City.
1: <laughs> We've already made it long enough. We could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Speaking of yeah, well let's let's get this mix on and fucking listen to some music here. But uh, definitely. So where where can people find you if they want to hear your <clears throat> music, your set, your
1: your production or your um, you know, mixes? Def- definitely my SoundCloud. Um, you know, soundcloud.com uh, forward slash Eric Dash Sterrett. Um, which i spell that too because it's right. spelled differently. Uh, yeah, it's A I R Y C K uh, hyphen S T E R R E T T. Um, but yeah, go there. Um, I'll be posting up tracks, hopefully, um, every two weeks or less this year. So, you know, make sure to check them out and, uh, hear what I'm doing this year as far as like constantly, uh, producing every day. Yeah. See what comes of that, you know?
0: Yeah. I'll post the links on the, the description for the, the podcast too. Cool. Uh, if they,
1: if, if people want to actually get your tracks, how would they go about doing that? I make them downloadable, but I wouldn't suggest playing those because they're going to be lower quality that yeah. that uh, SoundCloud changes them to. So, um, either contact me on my Facebook or you can uh, just send me a message on SoundCloud, and I can send you whatever quality you prefer of the track um, if you do want free to. Free music, it. guys! Free, yeah. free good fun. This music. year is all about just putting the music out. It's really just an experiment for me to like, you know, just see what writing music every single day does. And I'm not wanting to get involved with, you know, releasing a bunch of shit on record labels and all that stuff. I'm just putting it out there and just being like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And I'm not I'm not keeping anything, you know, like I'm not trying to like I I put out everything I make. You know, I'm not going to hide a track because it's it's crappy or anything like that. This year is going to be like everything I make you're going to hear. So you want to see what comes of that and, and what it sounds like. Just keep following me on SoundCloud. Yeah.
0: And that only motivates them more to do it more. So Yeah, yeah. One little so. like
1: or one little comment, you know, makes me, it pushes me to the next track for sure. Exactly. And like, I'll, I'll make the next one, you know. For so sure, dude. a little bit of support helps. Absolutely. So, uh, what can we expect from the mix we're going to hear? I'm going to go through a bunch of different new things. Like, I definitely feel like, you know, even though my focus is producing right now, it's super important for me to keep uh, searching out new music and, and listening to what my Stay favorite saturated. artists are. saturated. Yeah you know like that's always been one of my inspirations and um you know i want to keep going with that so um i'll do probably i'm thinking a mix of you know some really new stuff and and a little bit of old stuff too just whatever kind of like i'm feeling um probably some uh, newer fairmont stuff um costas Toro uh things i'm thinking maybe a little bit of tendens um some and him stuff uh, vessels who i freaking love they're like a electronic band i think i'll probably try to squeeze that in somewhere but i nice. absolutely love some of their stuff and i hope that you do too i'll definitely try to slip some of that in there maybe some new oliver Hutman, uh gunja maybe some rich curtis jamie stevens uh i love jamie Stevens. Uh, me too and uh also maybe some uh pop pa- uh pablo Acaros. Eh? Eh, who knows i don't know exactly what i'm doing yet i just kind of play a bunch of my favorite stuff so
0: cool let's throw this mix on here and uh good good to fucking talk to you eric and fucking i mean i i learned some shit today and uh man i mean we could have we could have kept going on and on but it's it's awesome to finally get somebody on from iowa and talk some fucking history right. and you brought up some things uh, i haven't thought of in years yeah so. <laughs> yeah yeah and uh no it's and it's also cool man like it's it's crazy how parallel our journeys have been as I mean musically and right. and when we've gotten into it and I mean just the way things have gone and I mean where we where we find ourselves in the United States and everything so Yeah. Uh yeah, thanks for I mean inspiring and 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 always carrying on and and staying true to your own colors and and everything man and uh, thanks, man. It constantly I appreciate
1: inspires that. and fuck yeah. So I really appreciate that dude. That's the kind of things that keep me moving in life with music. So I I appreciate what you've always done too, man. Like you, you definitely have inspired me as well with all of your, your push and drive and passion for for the music and for the shows and the party and the scene and everything, you know, like so, you know, it's a it's a mutual thing. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. <laughs> we uh, we know each other for our whole lives. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Free Wi Fi. <laughs> wi Fi. <laughs> Eskimo
2: bum fights. <laughs>
0: that's that's for the next podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, guys, here we go. Uh, thanks again, Eric, and uh, here we go with Eric Staret. Sure, I'm fucking one. Too. This is my heart. I hope you guys like it. <laughs> Thanks again, guys.